famous with Kate and Liz. Hello, welcome back, children. I, I just felt like a teacher, like, welcome. You sounded like Mr. Rogers, kind of. <laughs> oh my God, thank you. So welcoming. Uh, oh my gosh, that's my new voice. That's my new, like, MO. Um, we are not here to talk divorce again this week. We had to do that emergency divorce episode. Um, Got yep. Yeah. And so far there hasn't been any like other huge major divorces. I don't think. Right. So we've gone knock a week. Yeah. One weekend, uh, knock on wood. So let's keep it up. Slubs. Let's keep it up. <laughs> keep up the good work um although hey if if like there are couples that need divorces by all means do it we are not anti like you know you do you boo you do you (laughs) (laughs) whoever needs it yes (laughs) yeah so we are gonna do kind of another one-off episode which we love to do so it's not gonna be a whole series but we were like really it's about time we do an episode for the animals. Yes, I love animals. <laughs> I mean, if you don't love animals, you don't have to love all the animals. No. But I feel like you have to love an animal, right? Yes. Everyone has to love some sort of animal. Like, and you could be a weird lizard lover. You could be... Yeah. A flamingo lover you could be a shark lover I don't care they're all included okay because they deserve this world just as much as we do if not more uh yeah seriously like who do we think we are that we're like so above animals we're not okay <laughs> we are and not um so we're doing famous animals this week and I'm excited That's right that's right. And if you listen to our old podcast, Evening Booze Hour, we used to do an animal segment on that. So um, some of the, some of that like inspired today's episode, I would say um, for sure. And you're going to talk about a very, very well-known um, animal. And then I'm going to kind of give a salute to some groundbreaking animals that have changed the course of history for us. Yes. And one of my favorite movies of all time has to do a lot with animals and that would be Ace Ventura Pet Detective. <laughs> yes. One of the best yes. animal movies of all time. Of course. Yes. I always say that like when my my dog is sitting next to me and my cat is like sitting next to me I'm always like look I'm Ace Ventura. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. I love that for you. I just feel like when they're like both right next to me on either side. <laughs> that is hysterical. I love that. Yes. Have Andy take a picture of that and send it to me next time that happens. Like, doesn't even look like him. It just makes me feel like him. But um, yeah, I I have pets. Like I gotta love domesticated animals. Gotta love wild animals. You know, I think yes. we uh, they bring something to the world that's special. So um, we're gonna you know just give them their due today. I'm clapping. Yeah, we are. And. <laughs> Yay. And we normally, if this is your first episode, welcome. And we apologize in advance for anything that you might hate about this episode. <laughs> but um, now I don't even remember what I was going to say. Oh, you can get a hold of us because we normally do like series like one, two, three, 
you and I kind of do an episode together, then you'll do an episode, then I'll do an episode about a specific topic. So um, this is not going to be a series, although obviously it easily could be, and I'm sure we'll get back to animals at some point. Um, But this is just going to be a one-off Famous Animals episode. So you can, um, you know, get in touch with us on Instagram at Famous Kate and Liz, Kate with a C, and give us some ideas. Oh, and um, we do have a Gmail account, which is FamousKateandLiz at gmail.com. So let us know what you think we should cover. What do you want us to dive further into? Yeah, famous people, places, things, events. Anything anything whatever literally (laughs) give us your ideas um yeah you guys have great ideas so like use them please for us work for us do our work and come up with with uh topics um or you know comments questions concerns we just we love hearing from you guys so anyway um do you have anything else to say about animals before we get into our first famous animal no, no I, I mean let's get right into it your animal that you're talking about is very nostalgic I think for me and a lot of listeners so let's go yes there. another another favorite movie about you know the animal world Free Willy I mean from our childhood that was what early 90s oh yeah yeah I mean like there was a big push for like just environmental conservation in movies at our and like during our childhood like I think of Free Willy, Fern Gully uh like there were just like so many like you know there's just was, so many yeah yeah and uh you know we, we our generation I feel like in the recent times that we have seen this these uprisings of wild animals recently like you know in the oceans and otters and stuff like that like this is not unexpected to us like we saw this coming because we saw free willy (laughs) i know and that was the birth of a big conservation movement like truly and i think i mean i feel like everyone i'm closely associated with is like pro environment so that's pretty good right I mean, I know we still have a way long to, to way to go before. <sighs> anyway, okay, I'm not, I'm not spiraling. I'm not spiraling. Okay, I'm gonna be talking about Shamu, Shamu, who we all know and love and is in our hearts. Um, this is like when you close your eyes and you think of an, an orca, you will see Shamu. Like that yeah. is Shamu. Every orca is Shamu, like to me, yes. <laughs> you know. Well, and to SeaWorld, but we'll get there. Okay, so <laughs> well, yeah. I got basically, oh, and another, a great documentary um, about, you know, SeaWorld basically is called Blackfish. And I think that was on Netflix um, a few years back. And it's a really good documentary about orcas and SeaWorld. So, I mean, it's a downer. You're not going to be laughing (laughs) while you're watching it. You'll probably be crying, but it's very informative, obviously more informative than what I'm going to give you. But I did basically get all of this info um, from All That's Interesting, 
com, which is a great website. Um, you know, if you're just like in line somewhere and you want to scroll on your phone, <laughs> go to all that's interesting.com. Um, okay. They do not pay us to say that. So that was a free, <laughs> that was a free ad. All oh, that's interesting. Um, and now I'm going to like verbatim read from one of your articles. Um, okay. So the name Shamu has long been used as a moniker for nearly every orca kept at SeaWorld, like you were saying. So Shamu is a brand name, right. mm -hmm. if you will, um, which is like crazy. But um, so that name derived from the very first healthy orca intentionally captured and used in SeaWorld's performances. So that was the name of the original orca captured, stolen from the sea and brought to SeaWorld. That orca's name was Shamu. So right. um, her story, like that of many other orcas held in captivity, is, you know, a very sad, tragic story. And, you know, this is not, if you want more lighthearted, I would <laughs> uh, fast forward to Liz's part of the episode. <laughs> Possibly. Um, okay, so here's the deal. So in 1965, a three-year-old female orca was captured in the wild after whalers harpooned and killed her mother right in front of her. Yeah. These whalers harpooned Shamu's mother in front of her in 1965. The young orca Shamu had referred, uh, had refused to leave her mother's body. So the oh, whalers dragged her away from her mother's corpse and then sold her to SeaWorld San Diego. Ever hear of it, Liz? <laughs> uh, yes, I actually used to live very close to SeaWorld San Diego and would see the Blackfish protesters out there all yeah. the time. Well, did you know that Shamu, the Shamu, was, you know, I what did not really know. ripped from her mother's corpse. Definitely did yes. not know that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, wow. That is a tragic start to life. So, this young orca, now known as Shamu, was trained to be SeaWorld's first performing killer whale. She was confined to a small tank, and in order to teach her tricks, trainers often deprived Shamu of food. So, they ah. starved her and confined her, basically put her in a prison. She's Lady a... She is a whale living out in the ocean with her mother minding her own business. And then this happens. So insane. So for several years in the late 60s, Shamu was featured prominently in SeaWorld's live shows. But in 1971. That far back, like the 60s. Yeah, I would have thought like 80s. That's what I would have thought too, yeah. Yeah. 
Um, but in 1971, a harrowing incident would put an end to Shamu's performances. Oh, no. So, yes. Okay. During a televised publicity stunt, SeaWorld PR secretary Annette Eckes was instructed to perform with Shamu and ride on the young orca's back. This is a PR secretary. Yeah, this woman has no training with, like, dangerous animals. I'm sure she's watched the act a hundred times, but... She was instructed to perform with Shamu and ride on the young orca's back. With the cameras rolling, she slipped off of Shamu's back and into the water. Obviously, what did they think was going to happen? The killer whale quickly turned on Ekis, biting down on her leg and refusing to let go. Okay, I never watched Blackfish, you guys, so this is news to me. Okay, I'm telling you, everybody, if you don't want to watch it, fine, but, like, people need to know that this happened. Oh, my God. Yes, so, eventually, a trainer got um, Shamu to release Ekis by shoving a pole into the killer whale's mouth and prying it open. Ekis required more than 100 stitches and sued SeaWorld after the incident. Shamu, yeah, yeah, and this led to, you know, Shamu being retired from the Mm. park's performances. So what are are they going to do with just a a whale, but then it's not performing, and and then it's just like they still have to feed it. They Mm -hmm. still, like, they own this whale. So later that year, Shamu died of a combination of a urinary tract infection and septicemia, which is a blood poisoning. So like, AKA they weren't taking care of this whale because it was not, it was not giving them money anymore, you know, because it wasn't, it wasn't allowed to perform because it was dangerous. So it's just basically eating up all of, all of their money. So I think they killed Shamu uh, on purpose. Um, so she was nine years old at God. the time of her death. And get this fun fact. On average, wild female orcas live to be 46 years old. And this yeah. orca supposedly wild. just died of like old age. No, 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 no. Yeah. No, Shamu didn't die of... That's what they were trying to say. Like, oh, she just died of old age. No, no. They lived to be 46. <laughs> wow. Insane. Um, and then it said many lived to be much older, reaching 80 or 90 years old. So they can live up to be, to be like 90. Orcas. But on average, 46. So super sad. So Shamu's death hardly marked the end of SeaWorld's orca shows. By this point, Shamu had become a brand, one that was incredibly prof- uh, profitable and valuable to the company. So they continued to capitalize. After being sued and all that, and this horrible yeah. PR nightmare that they were like, we're just going to keep trying. <laughs> Like, yeah, the, oh, well, it was a bit huge accident. And, you know, animals, they can, you know, they're trying to make it like it wasn't a big deal, of course. 
because who would want to bring their kids to a show where they could potentially watch? Could you imagine how traumatizing that would be? For everyone who saw it, yeah. If if my daughter saw something like that, she would legit be traumatized for the rest of her life. Like, whereas if maybe my son would be like, whoa, that was like awesome. Or, you know, like some kids might think it was like crazy, but like not fully traumatized by it. But like some people would be ruined by witnessing that. So they can't take their chances. Um, So they continued to capitalize on the Shamu brand bringing in a host of other performing orcas, each giving given its own name, but billed as part of the park's Shamu shows. So, like, that's mm-hmm. why it became, like, you know, a Band-Aid. You know, it's a brand, but we all know what you mean when you say Band-Aid. So, um, yay, great marketing job. Like, congratulations. You figured out how to market orcas i don't know so in nature orcas can swim up to 100 miles a day and dive several hundred feet deep spending much of their um, time foraging socializing and navigating the vast ocean environment that surrounds them 100 miles a day they swim okay in captivity they were reshaped into pets that relied on their trainers for food and attention and often had to beg for it. They were forced to abandon their natural instincts and instead perform a series of behaviors that must have been um, obviously entirely odd to them, such as beaching themselves on platforms, which you can see it in your head, them literally sliding up to the, you know, to that little platform waving to a cheering crowd and letting trainers ride on their backs in exchange for dead fish, which they're supposed to be eating living fish that like they're literally killing because they're eating it. So their tanks did not even closely resemble their natural ocean environments, obviously. Um, They allegedly spent much of their time in sterile concrete rooms, swimming circles in minuscule tanks until they were asked to perform. Oh, yeah. So, like, those big tanks that they perform in, those were, like, the big tanks. Yeah. But in the back, they were kept in, like, little tiny swimming pools, basically. And those things don't have, like, it's not like an aquarium where they have, like, you know like plants and algae and stuff like that from the ocean in there like it is just like blank walls there's like yes to look at yes I know it's it's really a prison I Mm. mean how you how could you tell me that is not a prison so um it wasn't enough that SeaWorld was taking orcas from their natural environment and transporting them to their parks they were also breeding their captive orcas then using the offspring in shows as well, often separating young orcas from their parents and sending them to various parks across the country. Wow. So, yeah, they were just breeding new orcas and shipping them off to different places. So the most infamous example of this practice came in 1985, great year, 
when SeaWorld introduced baby Shamu oh, yeah. at its park in Orlando, Florida. And baby Shamu's actual name was Kalina. And she was the first orca to live after being born in captivity. Okay. So she was the first orca to live after yeah. being born. Mm-hmm. So like others did not live. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they're like, oh my God, finally this, like we got in a baby orca to like stay alive for a little while. So the, um, this is like, baby Shamu's story. So because SeaWorld was not required to report the number of orca deaths at its parks until 1994, the actual number of orcas who died at its parks prior is unknown. Mm. Well, yeah, when you said breeding them in captivity, I'm just like, how is that? I mean, I they do that, but like, how is it even possible with the the space? Like you're saying, you know, like. And they've been doing this since Mm. like the 70s. Yeah. So in the past, like, 20 years, we don't know. So uh, that said, some estimates suggest that at least 10 captive-bred baby orcas were born before Kalina. So all of those were either stillborn or died within two months. So they think at least 10 before this baby Shamu. So Kalina became an immensely popular attraction for SeaWorld Orlando, so much so that when she was four years old, the company took her away from her mother and sent her to SeaWorld Ohio to boost its ticket sales. Wait, I'm sorry. Why is there even a SeaWorld in Ohio? Like, SeaWorld is problematic to begin with, but if you're going to have one, let's have one near the sea. Well, hey. And San Diego. What? Like, the is not even okay for what yeah but Uh, hey you know people who live in Ohio they might never be able to afford to go see a real orca (laughs) so we'll bring it to them in orca I didn't even know they have sea world there (laughs) so at four years old she sent to Ohio because their ticket sales were down less than a year after that they transferred her once again to SeaWorld San Diego. Then she went to SeaWorld San Antonio eight months after that. Oh, so God. this whale has traveled America on <laughs> land. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's crazy. And like, just like, you know, they need animals also need like routine and instability and like just like us right you know and like you're picking up and moving it into a new like tank every few months also oh. how do you think they're moving her right well that's what i'm saying like on a train probably or something <laughs> Crazy. probably yeah in a shipping tank yeah filled with water yeah uh. it's insane so another fact in the wild, the average age of reproduction for orcas is 15 years old. So they normally at age 15 are like, okay, let's start, you know, having babies. Shortly after um, the, oh, hang on. 
Okay. Oh, they're saying here. Okay. So she was six years old when she was impregnated at SeaWorld, but in the wild, orcas are 15. Oh, and so she's the, six. Yeah. So they. And she's like, being impregnated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, and shortly after the birth of her first calf, she was impregnated again. And in total, she gave birth to four calves. Oh, wow. Three of them survived and were taken away from her, of course, shipped all over the country to different places. And the other was a stillborn, so didn't make it. Um, so that's that's the story of baby Shamu. Okay, so Tilikum was SeaWorld's most infamous killer whale. And he was the most notorious of SeaWorld's killer whales. And he was actually the subject of the 2013 documentary Blackfish. So this is Tilikum. Mm-hmm. Um, and he basically is the reason that SeaWorld people were like, you know, like you said, living near SeaWorld San Diego, you you saw people outside holding signs about blackfish every day, pretty much. Yep. Yes. So this is this whale Tilikum is the reason Hmm. people were out there. Um, And over the course of his time at SeaWorld, he killed three people, two of whom were trainers. So people were like, these captive whales are killing people. You are stealing them from the ocean and then they're killing humans. Oh my God. What are you doing? Stop. Like you are the reason these people are killed. Like this whale did not ask to be here. How are they still Um, business? I'm like so surprised. I know after I, cause I watched Blackfish like probably, you know, maybe four years ago. It wasn't way back in 2013 when it first came out. And I had not heard, like, I knew, yeah, oh, SeaWorld, it's bad, whatever. But, like, I did not know all of this extra background. So, and I, like I said, I lived right there and I did not know either. Yeah. But, like, I didn't watch the documentary because I was like, this is going to make me sad. So, mm-hmm. I know, I know, I know. So, um, this whale, Tilikum, had been under immense stress, of, obviously. I mean, from what we've heard, it's a horrible life. So held in captivity, he deteriorated both mentally and physically, and he was kept in a cramped tank and regularly physically abused by other orcas. Mm -hmm. He was bred 21 times, and 11 of his calves died before he did. Like, what are they doing with all these orcas anyway? Bodies, like what? They can't. They're huge. There can't be enough sea worlds for all of these whales either. Like, where are you keeping them? You're obviously going to start. Keep, oh, we'll just have them share a place. Pretty soon, they're not even going to be able to turn around. They're going to be like other animals in like the big manufacturing. You know, it's just like, oh, you're a dollar amount. You're not like a, a being. It's crazy. So. Um, he was not the only orca to be treated this way, of course. And while Tillicum's life was tragic, his story ended um, ended up serving a larger purpose, which was to highlight the inhumane treatment captive orcas are often subjected to. So, 
Um, yeah, that's Tillicum's story. And SeaWorld, in the wake of this widespread controversy, controversy, eventually agreed to stop breeding orcas and put an end to the Shamu name with the president of SeaWorld, San Antonio, Carl Lum, saying the park would seek to focus on a Shamu-free future. So they're probably going to start making water parks for kids. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so they yeah they do have a SeaWorld water park also in San Diego. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, hey, there you go. I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure it's SeaWorld branded, but um, yeah, it's like Aquatica or something. But anyways, like it just seems like the thing I instantly thought of when you said this was the animal crackers and how they set the animals free and they're not like in the circus anymore. Yes. <laughs> the box. Like it just seems very like, oh, okay, well we're still going to make a bunch of money and like just saying this to make people happy kind of thing. Yeah. 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 So nearly 60 years after the capture of the first Shamu, uh, that name has become tarnished by the decades of cruel treatment that followed. And now it looks as though both the name and the notorious shows associated with it will be retired. So we'll see, like, will my children know who Shamu is? They will if you I don't. make free willy. <laughs> Yes, I know. I I really don't think my daughter would be able to stomach it. I really, she is such an animal lover. Oh my god, like Willie, he's them. So you know. Oh, spoiler alert! Anyone who hasn't seen it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god, I'm dead. You just spoiler alerted free (laughs) Willie. That was the perfect ending to my extremely long and drawn out section and so tragic. So sad. Very very sad. And I'm sad, but important. Like you said, it's good to know we need to know these things. And so, you know, you know where you spend your money and whatnot and what you're supporting. Um, God. Yeah. So sad. Well, I have a few more uplifting (laughs) animal stories. I want to just focus on some, just quick salutes to like these groundbreaking animals. Um, most of which I feel like are in maybe no, a couple are within my lifetime, but, um, (laughs) you know, I, I like remember, uh, hearing about these animals like on the news and stuff like that growing up. So, um, I'm just going to do, yeah, some, you know, were important in science and some were important in wars and just hero animals. God, I love this. Yeah. So the first one, um, okay, first one, Dolly the sheep. I mean, this was right in our prime of like having to read those like middle school or late elementary science magazines and science class. And on the cover is Dolly the sheep. Dolly the sheep was huge. She was everywhere. Um, Dolly completely changed the game for a scientific community uh, in regards to cloning. She was the first um, animal to be cloned. She was born in July 1996, but her existence wasn't announced until the following year. And um, do you know why they called her Dolly? Dolly Parton. It is a Dolly Parton connection. I believe they use like a stem cell or gene or something from a mammary gland. <laughs> oh my God. Yes. I remember. Yes. Because Dolly is part is known for her mammary <laughs> glands. Like, is that, that real though? 
I think it is. <laughs> I feel like I thought that was like an urban legend when I heard that. I remember like seeing an interview with like this British scientist guy because I'm pretty sure this happened in Great Britain or somewhere around there and he uh-huh. was about Dolly Parton but <laughs> oh my um, god do you know how many times I probably saw a Dolly the Sheep reference when my dad was watching like 60 Minutes and uh, so then I would just watch 60 Minutes when I was like young because like that's what was on the TV and yeah. they always were talking about Dolly the Sheep they were. I mean, 1996, right around, like, if it wasn't Free Willy, it was Dolly yeah. the Sheep on yes. Six Minutes. <laughs> yes, this is very nostalgic for us. <laughs> yes, okay. So, there, Dolly was not without controversy, though. Um, detractors argued that new cloning technology could be potentially unsafe and unethical and could lead to human cloning, which would obviously be even more controversial. Um, but then there, the other, you know, proponents say that Dolly's existence could lead to the creation of animals for human organ donations or therapeutic cloning in which scientists use, um, stem cells from cloned embryos to treat, you know, conditions like Alzheimer's and stuff like that, which now is even like, God forbid, like the embryo thing, we won't even go there, but you know, um, yeah, it's like, it's like we can test on these animals if we can clone them basically basically yeah and it's like well if you can clone a sheep like what else can you clone you know um so unfortunately dolly did not live a very long life um she died at the age of six due to lung disease which had some people concerned also about like the viability of cloned animals and how long they could live for um but after dolly other animals like pigs sheep deer Horses and dogs have all been cloned, so. Wow, I mean, hey, if you can clone a sheep. Science. (laughs) I mean, and the Clone Wars have not begun, so I think we're good, right? Like, we're good. (laughs) Clone Wars. (laughs) That was an amazing Star Wars reference. (laughs) Yeah, I don't think there's, like, animals in that, though, right? (laughs) No, no. You're like, I don't even, I didn't even know the Clone Wars was the name of a Star Wars movie. (laughs) Clones just a bunch of Dolly the Sheep clones. Yes. Oh my God. I bet there's like a children's graphic novel that is like that because it's like oh my God. hilarious. I, a Dolly the Sheep T-shirt. Do you think they have those? I bet they do. Oh my God. <laughs> Amber V, remind me to get that for Liz for Christmas. <laughs> oh my God. Love it. Love okay. it. Moving on. The next animal that I want to pay tribute to is. Coco, the gorilla. Um, oh, I love Coco. Remember Coco because she is responsible for interspecies communication. Um, Coco and her handler, Francine Patterson, inspired people all over the world um, as Coco learned to communicate with humans using a modified version of American Sign Language. Uh, she Coco proved that apes really aren't that different from humans, and she even cared for remember her pet kittens <laughs> that she yes, had. Yes, I remember seeing like footage of this. There's like famously yeah. footage. Coco this is very kittens. nostalgic too. Mhm, mhm. Coco had kittens, you guys. Like it was the cues, and she cared for them. And you know, I'm pretty sure everybody who listens to this uh, podcast believes in evolution. <laughs> but if not, like, 
Coco's You're an like, idiot. Me. <laughs> like, you know, um, look at this. She's communicating. She is understanding. She's caring for, you know, little babies. She thinks kittens are cute. Like, obviously, we are from Coco. So <laughs> we are from Coco. Oh, my God. I loved Coco. Yeah, she was great. I mean, this was huge. Also, like another big scientific breakthrough. Um, when Coco died in 2018, I didn't even realize she lived that long. She was 46 years old. So long life. I remember, I remember when she died. Yeah, people sad. around the world were devastated because <laughs> Coco touched the lives of millions. Um, yeah, so this is a statement from the Gorilla Foundation after her passing. They said, Coco touched the lives of millions as an ambassador for all gorillas and an icon for interspecies communication and empathy. She was beloved and will be deeply missed. Oh, God. Yeah. Coco. You go, Coco. Coco. <laughs> That's right. You go, Coco the gorilla. Okay, moving on to a feathered friend. Um, I would like to salute Hero Pigeon, Cher Ami, who was awarded for its bravery during World War One. Uh, oh my God, I love this. I was gonna say, ugh, I really don't like birds, but like this is cool. I really don't like pigeons in general, but this pigeon is a badass. Okay, so during. World War One, homing pigeons were a huge part of communicating on the battlefield. And, you know, like, because they're in the trenches and, like, they would send them back and forth. Um, you know, it's World War One, 1918 is, I think, when her, fa- yeah, so 1918 is when her famous mission took place, like, limited on the communication. So she is known and honored because Cher the pigeon flew 25 miles in 25 minutes to save a battalion. What? Yes. What? I'm sorry. She flew like how a car could drive. <laughs> yes. <laughs> this pigeon flew. No, wait. This gets better and worse at the same time. But <laughs> oh no. She flew 25 miles in 25 minutes to save a battalion of American soldiers in France. Uh, these American troops were taking heavy fire from Germans as well as their allies because the allies couldn't tell who they were shooting at because again, it's oh like my God. everyone's just shooting at each other. Um, so while Sheremy was, was flying, she was shot, <gasps> but continued to make it to her destiny. <gasps> no. She was blinded and lost <gasps> a leg, but still persevered. <laughs> And completed this her mission. Is the most badass. Didn't um Mike Tyson used to like um breed homing pigeons? Oh, maybe, maybe. I, that does sound very familiar. <laughs> I was gonna say, like, he must have had one of the ancestors of like this pigeon, yeah. and that's what gave him like the power to be such a good boxer. <laughs> And his animal instinct to bite. I don't know. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, yeah. God. Isn't that insane? This pigeon. Okay, so then the Cherami was awarded the French 
uh, Croix de Guerre, the cross of war for her service, and her taxidermy body is on display at the National Museum <gasps> in history, folks. Okay, that's the number one reason I need to go to the National Museum of American yeah. History. Exactly. To pay our respects to Jeremy the Pigeon. Like, how wow. you just give up if you were that pigeon? I don't care how well you were trained. Like, I'd be like, fuck this war. I'm out of here. <laughs> <laughs> Dude. Oh, my God. I'm obsessed with this bird. Who trained this bird? I know. We need a documentary on this bird. I know. Yes. Yes. Oh, my God. There was just Reese Witherspoon make that. Yes. Oh, my God. She's the only one that makes movies anymore, apparently. We have the writer's strike end and the SAG strike end so we can come together for a share of me <laughs> feature length film. Oh, I will be there walking the red carpet. Oh, gosh. Okay. And this last famous animal that I want to salute is one of my favorites of all time. And that is Felicet, the first cat who ever made it to outer space. <laughs> yes. And this is the throwback. Like, yep. You know, we, we covered this on evening booze hour. I remember this cat I mean, I, going to I space. I about cat like at least once a week. <laughs> <laughs> I'm obsessed with that. Um, let me tell you why. Okay. So a small black and white Parisian stray cat named Felicette flew on a French rocket on a suborbital mission in October 1963 when space was all the rage. Um, the rocket reached an altitude of 154 kilometers, taking her into um, a place no feline had ever gone before or ever since. Um, so in the sixties, like I was saying, space exploration was pretty popular, but most like countries would just send dogs and monkeys up to space for Which some reason. Which is so like, okay, I get monkey cause they're like, oh, yeah. monkeys are like closest and, related to humans, but like by dog, well, I guess in some cultures they like dogs are not you know, revered right. like they are here. Okay, never mind. I digress. <laughs> well, so they would do it. They would send these animals up in space, like you said, to find out how dangerous the conditions were um, to assess if humans could survive the trips um, beyond the, the Earth's atmosphere. Uh, Russia preferred to use dogs, where the U.S. generally chose monkeys. So, like you're saying, um, maybe it was a cultural thing. Um, but not France. France decided to go with what I consider <laughs> one of the smartest pets, cats. <laughs> <laughs> you are a cat mom. I'm a cat mom and a dog mom, but cats are smart, you guys. <laughs> yes. Uh, I mean, yeah, they are. You can't deny it. I, I mean, you can't control them either. So that it's a risky move on France, but. <laughs> <laughs> That's hysterical. <laughs> uh, okay. So France took a total of 14 stray cats. They were gathered by the space agency um, and selected to be feline astronauts. Um, 
though they deliberately did not give the cats names in order to prevent the scientists from becoming too attached to them. Um, okay, you don't think they gave them names in their own heads and were like, <laughs> oh, that's little, like, fluffers. Yeah. And, yeah, I know. Mm. Okay. Yeah. I don't buy it. Um, but the one cat that was selected to travel to space was simply known as C-341. Um, then after news was announced of the cat's flight on a Veronique rocket, which took place on October 18th, 1963, and its subsequent safe return to Earth, the French press decided the feline trailblazer had to have a name, <laughs> right? They can't just call it C-341, doesn't really roll <laughs> right. You know, <laughs> yep. so the French uh, press picked Felix after Felix, the cartoon cat, only to discover that Felix was a female. <laughs> <laughs> which so what a female can be named Felix, which they didn't know in the 60s. They didn't right. know. Exactly. exactly. But also like women, we get the job done. I mean, like, do, do we have to do everything? Of course it was. Yeah, of course. Of course it was. Yeah, they should have known. They should have known. Um, and also, how did, like, they not know the sex of the cat, like, until after the fact? Like, no one checked Oh, that. my God, that's true. Yeah, they're running, like, all this other nerdy data, but they right. can't, like, they, just they can't, don't like, even know, like, how. Between its legs. That's how you tell. <laughs> all the scientists are like, I don't know. I've never seen a vagina before. <laughs> <laughs> it was the 60s. I don't know. These scientists. Oh, God. So, yeah, so because it was female, her name was adjusted to Felicette, um, which I like. I think it's super cute. And um, by putting Felicette in one of its rockets, France added a new species to the list of creatures that scientists had already hurled into space, it said. I love how you said hurled. Yeah. Um, yeah, all I think about is, like, you know, a few years ago, the the, like, all those memes and, like, images of, like, galactic cats like just yeah. a cat in outer space like that's yeah. all I picture like that. I picture it like standing on the side of a rocket not like it's actually so in the rocket right yes no exactly just hurl it into space um and Felicet actually got a memorial in 2020 um the only cat to have ever survived you know a space travel and you um, can go see a bronze statue of her at the International Space University in Strasbourg, France. Oh my God! Book a flight. I know I, animals book are a rocket memorialized and for their accomplishments and like way to go, France! <laughs> Yay! I man, I forgot like completely about this cat. So I'm glad you think about her her once a week but now I might start thinking about her once a week right. again because she's what? my empire <laughs> <laughs> oh my god oh, that was good that was good you'd have to think about her every day then right. apparently not every day but there are days I'm like God, remember a cat has been to space <laughs> I know it really is crazy. Yeah. Crazy. I mean, so yeah, those are just some, I mean, animals that you may have heard of, may have forgotten about, or maybe didn't know about at all. So here's to the, here's to the animals. Here's to our furry friends um, and our underwater friends and boo 
SeaWorld. <laughs> yeah, I know. That was a downer of a beginning. Sorry, guys. <laughs> but I feel like it ended on the best note. So, um, yeah, we will see you guys next time with a new series, maybe, question mark? We don't know. We do whatever we want. So, you know. Keep you on your toes, you know? Yeah. That's right. So see you uh, next time. Yeah. Love you. Bye.